This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. When we think that we need to have a certain amount of faith, a quantity, what do we do? What is our normal reaction? What do we do? i got to pray more. Oh, Lord Jesus, Jesus. And you pray. You pray hours, hours. You fast. You try to get more spiritual to get more faith. When you gave your life to the Lord, did you know any of those things? When you gave your life to the Lord, it is saving faith. But what did you do? You just believed. Were you saved by works? No. Sometimes you may look at faith like a video game. If you just pray and read your Bible for X amount of time every day and recite the right combination of words in the correct order, your faith meter will rise and God will give you anything you ask. As Pastor Eddie explains in today's message, that's not how faith works. It's not about having a certain amount of faith. God simply wants you to trust in Him and believe His promises. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 12 with today's edition of Running the Race. saying do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to but think soberly and he says as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith God has dealt to each one of us every single one of us a measure of faith and that's talking about every single Christian that accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior if you're a Christian here this morning you accepted Jesus God has dealt each one of you, with a measure of faith. And that's inconsistent in conjunction with the gifts that he's talking about. Because even the gifts, those spiritual gifts, we're not talking about the, you know, slaying the spirit, none of our own biblical practices stuff. We're talking about spiritual gifts. Every single one of us has a gift. Every single one of us has a gift. Some of us have more gifts. And so you say, wait a minute, Pastor, what's my gifts? Well, we're going to get there. But the first thing is, you need to think soberly. That's the only way you're going to find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, Paul says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. It's not because, it's not through your, your PhD or BLT from Mickey D's. It's what God himself has given you. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says, As each one has received the gift, each one received the gift, minister to one another. So we all have gifts, and we ought to minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so you ask, what is my gift? I don't know what my gift is. Again, first thing, think soberly of yourself. Make an honest evaluation of yourself. And so you just need to ask yourself some questions. Are people blessed when they're around you? Or when they leave you, you know, it's like they looked at a menu they didn't like. They, they suck in the lemons. It's like every time I went, that guy, I'm so depressed. He's supposed to be a Christian. Or people are being encouraged. Spirit of exhortation. 
We're going to see that. Are you, uh, are you serving in a ministry? That is your gift. You are a servant. You are ministering in, uh, in the body of Christ, and your gift is to serve, to serve people, to serve in the church. I like what Pastor Chuck Smith used to say. He said, when you teach, are people listening? If they're not, then you're not a teacher. Or how do you know if you're a pastor or you're a leader? Well, look around, turn around, people following you. And so each and every one, each and every one of us have a gift, but we need to uh, first think soberly of ourselves. Now, there are those who God has given a gift, but they have an eye for a greater gift. Oh, that's a nice title in a church. How much respect I'll get for that. No, but I think you're, I think you're good in serving tables. No, I think I should be a pastor or a leader. That's what Chuck Smith used to do. Anybody want to be in ministry? I'll say, okay, great. You want to be awesome, great. Send him to one of his leaders and come the next day. The first day they're there, they think they're going to start leading. Oh, they see there's a bucket and there's a broom and it's, this place needs to be clean, you know? And they're like, they're shocked. We first need to be humble. And that's what he does. They want these other gifts teaching and leading and they want to be pastors and, and they go and they go and do a thing. And guess what? Nobody's listening, no one's following. So if that's the case, please stop. <laughs> Please stop. Think soberly of yourself. You know, make an honest evaluation and uh, uh, take the gift God has given you, not the gift you want. And so in conjunction with, with, with our, with our God-giving gifts, God has also given us a measure of faith, a measure of faith. Now, Paul is not talking about saving faith. He's not talking about saving faith because who is, he ta- who is he talking to? Who is he writing to? He's writing to the brethren, verse 1, chapter 12. He's writing to the church in Rome. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. So he's not talking about saving faith. He's talking about the faith that has been given to us by God, sovereignly by God, a measure of faith. And God has given each and every one a measure of faith. Now, this is important. What, with these gifts that, you know, we have nothing. The gifts is not because you're so talented. The gifts is not because you're so skillful. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. It has everything to do with God. Even the faith to function and work in those gifts has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. Now, usually when we think about faith, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, gives you the definition of what faith is. Usually, you know, we have faith written throughout the scriptures, but the actual definition, if you look in the word in the dictionary and right next to it, it has a definition. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tells us this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And the writer of Hebrew continues to write what is called the Hall of Faith. He starts sharing how all these great men and women of God throughout the history and the scripture who have placed their faith in God. Now, when we think about faith, here's where a lot of us, or many Christians, fail and, and they, they pretty much hurt themselves. We tend to think as faith quantitatively, as quantity. You ever hear when somebody say, oh, you don't have enough faith? Heard that all the time. But it's hurt a lot of people because that's not the truth. That is not the truth. When Judy was sick, somebody gave her uh, tapes from one of these TBN guys how to heal and all this stuff. And one of the tapes was talking about how this woman had cancer. And he said, only if she had enough faith. And so the woman passed away. What kind of message would you send out to the rest of the family members left behind? 
oh, she could have been alive based on the amount of faith that she had. What was it? Was it God's will? When it comes to me, I always say, if I'm dying, don't pray for me to be better. Because if I, like, dying and I see the light, I'm reaching to Jesus, and all of a sudden, poof. You guys are praying for me? I'm going to be really mad. Chuck me over to I, I'm always in heaven. Are you bringing me back here? <laughs> anyway, just kidding. But you know what? It has nothing to do with the amount of faith. And we always think it's about quality of faith. Now, we hear, when we read in scriptures, even Jesus talking about measures of faith. When he talked about faith, right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8, Oh, ye of little faith. Jesus also said to the centurion, centurion soldier in Matthew chapter 5, Great faith. Never have ever seen such great faith in all of Israel. How about when he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, Matthew chapter 17. That's, isn't that measure of faith? Not really. And I'll tell you why. When we think that we need to have a certain amount of faith, a quantity, what do we do? What is our normal reaction? What do we do? i got to pray more. Oh, Lord Jesus, Jesus. And you pray. You pray hours, hours. You fast. You try to get more spiritual to get more faith. When you gave your life to the Lord, did you know any of those things? When you gave your life to the Lord, it is saving faith, but what did you do? You just believed. Were you saved by works? No. We're saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So in the same way, we think as faith as quantity, but is really quality. And when Jesus is talking about great faith, he's talking about who you put your faith in. It's not how much faith you have, it's who you put your faith in. If you put your faith in how much faith you have, you have nothing. Little faith. But if you put your faith in Christ, you have great faith. Perfect example, the centurion soldier. He wasn't a Christian. He went to Jesus directly. And he says, Jesus, I have a servant at home who's about to die. I know, I know you're the one. And Jesus said, okay, you know, I'm just paraphrasing, okay? Don't, don't start writing me letters. Oh, you didn't speak the actual word. I'm paraphrasing the story. And so Jesus said, okay, let's go to your house. And he, the, the centurion soldier, soldier said, no, wait a minute, listen. I'm a man of authority. All you got to do is say the word. That's great faith. He, wasn't, he didn't go to Bible school. He didn't learn about faith. He probably wasn't even saved. But he knew his faith was in Jesus. You don't have to go there, Jesus. You don't have to lay hands on him. Physically, you just say the word. That is great faith. And Jesus called that great faith. He didn't say he had a lot of faith. When he says to his disciples, all ye of little faith, it's because their faith wasn't in God. Their faith was in themselves and what they do. But he says, all ye need faith as small as a mustard seed. What does that mean? Is that great faith? No. It's giving us an amount, but it's still pointing to Jesus. It's still pointing to Jesus. It's not by works. We're not saved by works. It's not how much faith you have. Again, it's who you put your faith in. If we place faith in ourselves and how much we pray and how much faith we have, oh, ye of little faith. If you put your faith in Christ, just simply having Christ as the object of your faith, great faith. You see the difference? And so here we see that in Scripture that Paul is actually, he's writing and he's saying that to each one, let me go back to my, it says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And how much that he gives you is all you need. You still need a point to, you need a point to God. Who's giving you the amount, if anything, is Christ. It's not you. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to give you this month. You come up with the rest. I'm giving you a measure, 
But Eddie, you need to pray more. You need to have more and more faith. No, a little bit more. You don't have enough faith, Eddie. I'm sorry. I'm taking it. You know, it doesn't work that way. Jesus is the object of the faith. And so we're to think soberly, and, and it's not, not our faith, but it is our faith in Christ Jesus that gives us the ability to work in these spiritual gifts. Let us move on. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members have, uh, do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so it's the same way we have our physical bodies, we have our eyes, we have our toes. They don't do the same thing, but they're part of the same body together. So to the body of Christ. These spiritual gifts, which he's going to name in a little bit, the spiritual gifts together makes the church powerful. Together makes the church grow, you see. You know, I've had, you know, some people tell me, oh, you know what, we used to do in our other church. Or, you know, when I grew up, my church did this. You know, I was going to that church, and we did this, and I appreciate that, but we're not that church. Yes, there's unity among the churches. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed that every now and then, once a month, I meet with the other pastors around the area. We pray, we pray for each other, but we go our own ways. We're united, but there's, you know, there's a unity but there's diversity as well. God has called each church to do a different function in this community. And so people come in, they say, well, how come you don't have this? How come you don't have that? Well, did anybody go in your house and say, why do you have those colored curtains? They're not the same curtains we have in my house when I grew up. Have anybody say, well, why are you a plumber? <laughs> we used to be electricians. You know, does it make sense? In the same way in the body of Christ. You know, there are churches that have a, 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 a call for missions. And what they do is they send out people as missionaries. They send them out. They support them. They bring them back. They send them out. You have churches that uh, are planting church. They raise up disciples. They raise up pastors and leaders. And they send them out and they start out. Or you have some churches that do out, uh, are big on outreach and evangelism. Praise the Lord. When we evangelize, we don't say, hey, you need to come to our church. We say, listen, just find a church where they teach the Bible. And you see, every church has a different function. So too, within our local, our body, this body of church, we have different people with different gifts. And they're using those spiritual gifts uh, to have this church run the way it is. And we depend on the Holy Spirit, trust me. And we have, we have a, a couple that I love dearly. They come here every week faithfully to clean the church for the past four years. We have people that come serve faithfully here early in the morning, take care of the kids. We have someone coming up, waking up early in the morning, getting the coffee ready, goes back home and come back. Those are spiritual gifts. Those are people who really love the Lord and they serve. Those are spiritual gifts. All of us together as a church, the body of Christ, we all have our calling. We all have our gifts and, and, and we do it together. We have people who have the, the heart of evangelism. They just love to share the gospel. Great. We'll send them out with, with, with Joe Caruso, and Joe loves to do outreach. He loves apologetics, and we send them out. They share the gospel. Everybody. And yeah, people have the gift of being like Andrew. Andrew always brought people to Christ. He brought Philip and, and the other, some of the disciples to Christ. He brought the little boy with, with a couple of loaves of fish and bread. The people have a gift just bringing people to church. Every week they look forward to inviting somebody. You know, we all have spiritual gifts, but we all work together, together, 
No one is better than the other. No titles above anything. Doesn't come, you always see me. I, I clean up, I do everything. I take the garbage out too. There's nothing beneath me. I don't care. I know who I am in Christ. I remember there was a pastor who was flying back from, a, going back home from a trip, and he was sitting next to another minister. One minister said, well, you know what? I got to go home and, you know, just do the lawn, you know, take care of the house. And one minister said, you do the lawn? And he said, yeah, I do the lawn. You're the pastor? You're the senior pastor? Yes. You do the lawn? Yes. Do you do the lawn? He says, no, I'm a minister. What would people think? Not understanding that the definition in the Greek, the word minister is servant. But we all serve. There was a story about, it's called the Master Tool Convention. Master Tool Convention. So Brother Hammer was appointed to preside over the Master Tool Convention. Brother Screwdriver objected, saying, Brother Hammer, you're too noisy to preside over this meeting. You're always driving home your point. Always nailing people down. I call for your resignation immediately. Then Brother Hammer responded, Well, what about you, Brother Screwdriver? All you ever do is spin around in circles. That may be true, said Brother Screwdriver, but at least I'm not like Brother Plain. He works, his work is so surface, so shallow. What right does he have to even be here? If you're going to kick me out, protested Brother Plain, what about Brother Ruler? He thinks he's always right, measuring everyone else by his standard. Well, if you're going to come down on me, argued Brother Ruler, what about Brother Pliers? He needs to get a grip. At least I don't rub people the wrong way looking at Brother Sandpaper. They're all arguing or whatever, but we all work together. But here's the end of the story. It's beautiful. And just then, the master craftsman walks in. And as he used each tool at the perfect time, he created an object great with great beauty. That's the way it works. We work for the master. Each and every one of us are different. We're different in the body of Christ. And so saints, not, we don't all do the same things. We all have different gifts. We all function differently. And you may say to yourself, well, what's my gift? I don't know. I don't think I'm capable. I don't, think, I don't have talent. I don't have skill. You don't need talent. You don't need skill. I love, I love a saying. I don't know who ever quote this, but it says God calls to qualify. I mean, he doesn't call to qualify. He qualifies to call. He doesn't call to qualify. He qualifies to call. And that's the way the Lord has always worked. He's done it with, with Abraham. He's done it with, with, with Moses. Moses, he said, Moses, I need you to lead these people. And he says, who am I? You know, he's just humming, 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 humming. I can't speak, humming, 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 you know. What is that in your hand? It's a stick. He was able to perform miracles with that stick. But led thousands, millions of people. David, what, what is that on your hand, David? Oh, it's just a sling and a couple of stones. Oh, David, you're going to defeat giants. Gideon, how many do you have? I only have 300. That's all you need to defeat, defeat thousands, an army of thousands. Andrew brings the boy with a couple of loaves of fish, a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. How can that feed 5,000? We'll feed 5,000. And we'll come back with 12 baskets on top of that. Paul, what do you have? You're in prison. All I have is a pen and papyrus. Well, I'll have you write two-thirds in the New Testament. You see, it's not your ability, it's your availability. When you find out the spiritual gift that God has given to each and every one of us, there is no such thing as a Christian that doesn't have a gift that's not been given by God. According to Scripture, each and every one of us has a gift. 
When you find that gift, God would blow upon it. God would make it flourish. God would make it grow. And so he goes on saying, having then gifts, verse 6, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. In prophecy, let us prophesy in portion of our faith. Now, with prophecy, he's going to speak about other gifts here. But when it comes to prophecy, so you, you know, it's, prophecy is according to the standard of faith in keeping with the Christian faith, and it also has to be biblically uh, correct. It needs to be, it can't contradict Scripture. I was raised up where people would prophesy things contrary to the Scripture of God. All because they got into a, a trance and trying to hype everybody up to make it look spiritual. But they lied. False prophecy. That's why John tells us in 1 John chapter 4, don't believe every spirit, but test to see whether they're true. Somebody comes with a prophecy, look it up in scripture. If it's not in here, it's false. If it's a new revelation, it's cultic. Okay? There's nothing new that God has not given to us complete in his word. Nothing new. New revelations, you need to be careful with that. But these, these gifts are according to Scripture, and, and it comes to prophecy. Because you, you get a lot of people that, you know, will tell you things. That's why you need to know your Bible. Or, you know, or they'll prophesy things to you. You need to be careful with this, too. Or things that you could probably, you know what? What you just told me, I could have read from a fortune cookie. What's biblical about that? It's so generic. Or even Satan himself could use it. The world could use it to motivate you. Something you could probably, you know, I hope you don't read the zodiacs in your horoscopes, but that's cultic. But, you know, people get that from there. You know, it needs to be biblical. Let us prophesy a portion of our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So these God-given abilities that is given by God, by the sovereignty of God, by his choice, by his will, they should all be used to build up the body of Christ, to build up the church. That is the purpose of these gifts. These gifts is not to make you look good because, again, that's pride. Again, you need to think yourself, think soberly. Gifts is not about you. The gifts are from God. And the faith to operate those gifts from God. Everything is Christ. Everything is God. It's not you. It's not because you're so skillful, you're so charming, you're so gifted. No, it's all because of God. And so all these giftings are for what? To build up the church. That's why God's giving gifts. Yes, in a way, yeah, you will be blessed having these gifts. But the primary reason why God is giving these gifts to you is so that you could use it for the church. Not for you, not for your glory, but for the church. So these are the gifts that God has given. It's not, you know, I needed to get that understanding of how the Holy Spirit works. This is the way the Holy Spirit works. God has given us these spiritual gifts that we can glorify God as we use it to bless the body of Christ as we grow together. Amen? Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of Romans with us here on Running the Race. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today and that you're eager to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to listen to more messages by Eddie, visit our website at runningtheraceradio.com. There you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? 
We gather each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. Right now, Tracy has some information about how you can be a part of the ministry here at Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. There's much more to learn from the Book of Romans on the next edition of Running the Race.